I like that uh, dude that goes, woo! Did you hear that in there? I, where, did hear I, that. I wonder where you get that. Who was that? I love uh, that. I don't know who Vern's uh, partner was on that Woo-hoo! cotton bowl. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel about this upcoming podcast. Woo! Yeah, I wonder when you do Arizona Cardinal games, do you ever mention to Kyler Murray, hey, uh, check out my podcast, Kyler, here. Listen <laughs> to the beginning. Do you know who I picked sixth yeah. right here? No, I haven't done that yet. I try to keep it professional, Bruce. Yeah, I would, uh, maybe if you run into Kevin, hey, Kev. Listen to my podcast. I think Kevin's very involved. In, Kevin uh, is very involved. Yes, Tyler's growth and development. He's a good player. He's a great young player. You and I have talked so many times. I love that guy uh, here on the We Tackle Life podcast. But that's my type of quarterback. With uh, the joys and the uh, torment oh, of watching our kids play sports. It's awful. Uh, Mace uh, tore ACL at BG before what I think would have been a phenomenal freshman year. Um, and you've said she handled it better than you. She did a great year this year, watching my daughter, Katie play soccer thrilled that as a sophomore, she made first team all league. And uh, this week I found out she made first team all central district. Wow. D two. What about first team all Ohio? Well, I think that's coming later. She I don't mean I don't mean she's going to make it. I mean that the announcement is coming later. Well, I don't know. Simple. She but, doesn't make first I mean, team all Ohio. Then you know what? Just ground her for three weeks. That's imagine it. Kevin Murray watching your son go to Texas A and M and not be able to you know get your career rolling and then transfer to Oklahoma, win the Heisman Trophy, be the number one overall pick, uh, be the top ten pick in baseball. And then yeah. go to the NFLs, and I mean, Kevin Murray, man, I don't know if he's had—I don't know if he's had too many down moments yeah. watching Kyler <laughs> his athletic career. Uh, Katie, if you're not first team all Ohio, you're grounded for three weeks. Uh, we'll we'll figure that out, uh, but, but no, no, she will not be grounded. <laughs> Maybe if, maybe if not by the time she's a senior, maybe. Uh, speaking of grounded, Wisconsin yes. and Ohio State tomorrow in Ohio Stadium, and the Badgers uh, hope their attack is, uh, you know, grounded but not yeah. sidelined, not uh, flummoxed by the Buckeyes. If they don't do it on the ground, I can't imagine that they're going to do it. Jonathan Taylor has played against Ohio State one time, the 2017 Big Ten Championship game. It was 27-21 to 21, uh, in the midst of the great Alex Hornibrook era. At Wisconsin, I never felt like Wisconsin was going to win that game, and part of the reason why I didn't feel like they were going to win that game is because they weren't having any luck on the ground. Jonathan Taylor, 15 carries, 41 yards. If we're going to establish an over-under, you know I love over-unders. Yep. Over-under rushing total for Jonathan Taylor on Saturday. Over-under is supposed to be a difficult choice to decide if it's going to be more or less. So I will set the number on Jonathan Taylor rushing yards Saturday at 72, over or under? Yards? Yes, for Jonathan uh, Taylor rushing over. the football. Over? over? Yeah. I'm taking under, man. Okay. I'm taking under. I'll tell you this. If he's over 30, they'll probably win the game. You mean carries? Yeah. If he's, oh, under, if he's over 30 carries, they Wisconsin's if, if, right in it for sure. If, they, if he's under 20, they're losing. Yeah. Because they're going to get snowballed by the Ohio State second quarter Boy. and have to throw. They just need everything good to happen. And this is the Ohio State's biggest test, but the formula is not changed for an upset. The problem is they have a better chance of an upset than Northwestern. If you're a Wisconsin fan, everything has to go your way. Turnovers have to go your way. Yeah. Points off of turnovers have to go your way. you got to bat at least 
60 or 70 percent for touchdown percentage in the red zone if things uh, go I think they have to bet I think they'd have to bat 70 yeah. percent in the red zone and I think Ohio State which is 82 percent in right. the red zone for the they season have to be around under has 50 to, has to be under 50 yes well it's just a tough task isn't it for them well they're really good and they're yeah. playing at home and they have a lot of ways to beat you. Do you I'm think talking, of Ryan, course, about Ohio State? Do you think Ryan Day ever sits around and says, "I can't believe how good this team is"? I mean, I know I'm a decent coach, but I just can't believe what I've inherited here. And I, the biggest surprise, and I don't know if Ryan would admit this out loud or not, is I don't think he thought the quarterback would be who this quarterback is. I don't know how he could have thought that. I mean, I mean, you know, he was talking on Tuesday about. They did a lot of research on Justin Fields when he was in the transfer portal because he was originally committed to Penn State and he was, you know, he's number one or two. Thank gosh he didn't go there. In the nation. Um, yeah. So, you know, they knew him. They knew the family. They were ready to pounce when he went into the transfer portal. But you couldn't know that he'd come in here and he'd grasp everything and he'd have 22, he's got 18. He's got eight rushing touchdowns and 22 passing touchdowns, and he's thrown one pick and he's fumbled once. Yeah. Oh, he's fumbled twice. Well, you, yeah. And, and the, th- the thing about it, what's also been a little bit of a surprise is, and a pleasant surprise, and why I think this team is where it is is because of the play of the offensive line has just been tremendous. I mean, they've outperformed expectations by a lot, in my opinion. And – the defensive line, and I shouldn't be surprised by this, but the the depth and the amount of players that can play, and the linebackers are playing well. Everybody's playing well. The wide receivers are as good as they get. And by the way, the emergence of Master Teague, of course, which no team gets a break if J.K. Dobbins oh, comes yeah. out because we know that Master Teague has the potential to go the long distance every time he gets his hands on the ball. So it's just an overall great team. And by the way, our field goal kicker drops one from 55, 55 the yards. other day. So yeah. go get them, boys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tailgate party Saturday. You got your choice, breakfast, lunch. But there's no choice to be made. There's only one choice. Stover Farms Custom Meats. For the best in grass-fed Angus beef grown on the Stover Farm in the Mansfield area, it is uh, what raised and developed Ohio's Mr. Football, Cade Stover, who is a Buckeye, who is a Buckeye linebacker. And uh, Cade is, uh, you know, a red meat-raised young man, yeah. big, strong <laughs> dude. And if you would love the most delicious steaks, the most delicious burgers, what they do is they have a retail location in Powell, 4000 Presidential Parkway. They uh, butcher and process a side of aged Angus beef every week. And they bring it down and they sell it direct to you Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're open Thursday and Friday from 10 to 6.30, Saturday from 9 to 4.30. They also have uh, non-GMO, no-hormone pork and poultry. It is phenomenal. Uh, steaks, I'd get there quick. Uh, burgers, just because of the way that a steer you know, is uh, created, there's more hamburger than there are steak cuts. So if you want steaks, man, I'd be right there on their doorstep uh, this morning at 10. Uh, hamburger, that's the way to go. Sausage patties. Oh, their sausage patties are phenomenal. So, Stover Farms, 15% off. Mention Spielman and Hooley. Go in. Mention Spielman and Hooley. They'll give you 15% off. Know where your meat comes from and know what's in it. Stover Farms Custom Meats. Um, Yeah, I think Ryan Day in private moments probably does think, man, wow. Lottery. I hit the lottery. And was so. Thank you, Urban. It was interesting because this Wisconsin game is uh, 
a little bit of a microcosm, I think, um, for Ryan, who always talks about his plan to win. And you win the game on Saturday in practice, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, you know, Wisconsin at Illinois, uh, they didn't execute some things on the field, which turnovers, interceptions, those will happen. Paul Chris didn't execute very well either. And when you have a coach who maybe is not as sharp as he could be and players who aren't 100% on point, that can happen. You can lose a game to a team you have no business losing to. So I asked Ryan Day Tuesday about what kind of control he thinks he really has over a game on Saturday. Or once you get to Saturday, is his influence really minimized? And he basically said, once you get to Saturday, the hay is in the barn. Yeah. So I followed up with the fact that, you know, strikes me, it's been a, a seven-game honeymoon for him. No adversity, really. Nothing close to a loss. He told an amazing, or, or an amusing, rather, anecdote about his wife uh, following the Northwestern game. And they win the game 52-3, to and he said his wife said, boy, tough first quarter. And he's like... <laughs> I looked at the stats, and he's like, well, we scored a touchdown in the first quarter. And he's like, we scored 52 points. He's like, you know, these other guys are pretty good. They got a top 30 defense. But it was illustrative of the fact that the expectations at Ohio State are for perfection and dominance and all that. So I said, uh, I asked him about the inevitable day that comes Mm -hmm. uh, when he finally does lose a football game. And uh, here's the question, and here's Ryan's response. Uh, because of that control thing that you say is more of a through the week than a Saturday thing, inevitably, I assume, unless you're the greatest of all time, you'll eventually lose a game somewhere. Uh, <laughs> will you be able to handle that? <laughs> will you be able to handle that better than you handled it as an assistant? I'm laughing because it's on YouTube. More, like, nah, I, I, no, I'll feel it more. Yeah, I feel it more. And uh, it's one of those things that uh, you know you worry about, you you feel anxious about sometimes, but. Uh, all you can do is, as you get closer to the game, is just go and be aggressive as you can, and go fight as hard as you can, and just be the competitor that, you know, when you used to play, that's that's what you do, and uh, you try not to worry about that stuff. But it, in the back of your mind, you know, you, you understand what's at stake, and um, you know the the people that are counting on you to do well, and the expectations here, and I, I get all that. I told you that from the beginning. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, when you're in it, you can't worry about that. You just got to go as hard as you can, and fight as hard as you can, and uh, just trust that everything you're doing is going to work. Now, the reason you laughed was because when I said to him, you know, unless you're the greatest of all time, eventually yeah. you're going to lose a game. And the look on his face was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's right. He's, eventually he, I will lose a game. He's probably not thought about that watching his team play. Probably not. Maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. He's exactly right, though. He's going to feel it more as the head coach than he would as the offensive coordinator. or Because as the offensive coordinator slash position coach, that's the only thing I did my control. job. I did my job. We well, it, it, but we it's sco- not that mentality that no, I did my job. But, but I mean, you know. That's I, all you can control. Sure. Now, I'm sure at Purdue, he didn't feel like he did his job because he got in the red zone right. a bunch of times and didn't score touchdowns. But, you know, sometimes uh, JT Barrett at Iowa threw a bunch of interceptions. So he probably didn't feel like he did his job. Right. There either, but it is possible that you know if you lose a game fifty-two to fifty-one, I mean you know it might be like well you know what should we have gone for two every time? Right. I mean there's some things that you can't do, but I find that interesting. He admits I really don't have any control on Saturday. The work is done through the week, and then you get there and you do the best you can. I don't have any control. Okay, if you don't have any control, then your conscience well, he, ought to be clear. He does have control on certain calls and certain situations sure. and instincts on when to go for it, when not to go for it, 
what play to call to make sure you're prepared to get, if you get a certain look on defense that your team is prepared to counter with a certain play. If you understand there's a weakness on defense, what are you going to do to exploit that matchup? We're going to set up plays early on to run bigger plays off those set-up plays. All those things are his responsibility, mm -hmm. plus getting the team both mentally and physically ready to play. That's all on him with the help of his coaches. For me, this is a game where Wisconsin's really going to have a problem uh, dealing with a couple units on Ohio State's side of the ball. Defensive line, wide receivers. I just don't see defensively how uh, Wisconsin holds up against Ohio State's wide receivers because Illinois' wide receivers were able to get open and give them problems. And I honestly don't see how Wisconsin's offensive line can stack up against Ohio State's defensive line. Well, I do because I think they're a really good offensive line. Conceptually, they do a good job and philosophically of going on double teams. They pull a lot of people. They try to get you outflanked by the number of guys they put on one side of the ball to have blockers, mm -hmm. whether that's movement upon snap or motion to it. And they help to they hope to get you in a numbers game where you don't have enough defenders over there. Then Jonathan Taylor finds a seam and he's off and running. He doesn't and seem to me though like he's a hit the hole quick guy. He's well, like a, a he picks his spots. And I just think if you hesitate against Ohio State's linebackers, you're down. Well, that depends if you're getting off blocks. So the other key is right: can they sustain blocks against this really good defense? And one thing for fans to watch on Saturday, one thing I'm going to watch, are the linebackers getting the proper reads. For example, if you're on the left side, mm -hmm. offensive left side, defensive right, and you're on the right side, you see that left guard pull to the other side. That's usually an indicator that that ball's going over there. So you can't be stuck on the back side because they're moving an extra blocker over to that right side, and you have to come over with an extra defender to that right side. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to do that and not make those mental mistakes of getting caught behind because that's exactly what they try to do you, do to you. you I'll take, flank you. You want to take that call live it's on the air? Charles Davis. It is from Charles I'll Davis. I'll call Charles back. Call Charles back. All right, very good. Um, okay, I'm curious. Ohio State's wide receiving core, we've talked about its depth many, many times. When you play against Ohio State, are the is it just that – okay, the patterns are the patterns, and it really doesn't matter who the receivers are, or from a defensive perspective, is there a difference from an Olave to a Victor to a Mac to a Wilson? Doesn't look that, like it. That, that, I mean, that complicates it defensively. Just from, you can cover, but oh, now they they got a different answer because this guy's yeah. a little different than another it's guy. It's all, I mean, that's why you see teams are always trying to find two wide receivers, why the Vikings are so difficult to defend all of a sudden the last three weeks. Because if you take digs away, they're stealing. If you, mm -hmm. And that's where your help is. Now, if you use two safeties, okay, you're eliminating. If you take one safety and help them on a corner with digs, one safety to help on a corner with Thielen, you're more vulnerable in the run game because you're not getting that quick support from safeties. And the other things are that now you're leaving Irv Smith or Kyle Rudolph or, or Dalvin Cook in one-on-one -on -one matchups in the past game with linebackers and safeties, which are a difficult matchup, plus whatever third wide receiver they have in there. So... I, but that's why Ohio State is such a problem because how do we defend this? In my mindset, if I were Jim Leonard, my mindset would be this. I mean, there's going to be times where you'd be aggressive, obviously. But I would tell the guys, look, they're going to move the ball from the 30 to 30. Once that field shrinks, then we're going to get a little bit more aggressive. You don't have to cover as long, mm -hmm. and maybe we'll have a chance. But Ohio State's so good, and especially throwing the ball, and he's only going to get better. I still think he holds the ball a little bit too long. 
and he's asking an awful lot from his offensive line, but they've been able to answer that challenge in Justin Fields. But I think once Ohio State gets into that 30-yard line going in plus, uh, that's where I think if I'm Wisconsin, my game plan would be I'm getting aggressive here and making them beat me one-on-one. Yeah, the common opponent they have is Northwestern, and uh, Wisconsin's offense scored one offensive touchdown against Northwestern. The game was in Madison. Uh, Ohio State, we know exactly what they did to Northwestern. Uh, so I just, I know there's a there's a danger in, you know, we beat this team like this, and you beat yeah. that team like this, and so that means we're going to beat you like this. But I just, the question for me is, athletically, depth-wise, can Wisconsin hold up? I believe they'll give Ohio State some trouble. They've got good players. Their numbers defensively are absolutely crazy. But then the Illinois game happened. I mean, they're number one in the nation in total defense, in rush defense, in pass defense, in scoring defense, four shutouts, la, 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 la. And if they had gone into Illinois and they had won 35-7, to seven, I'd be like, hey, you know, we're yeah. going to find out who's really so good. But they had uh, – it was so odd. They they really didn't give Illinois much in the first half. Illinois scored one touchdown. Then they come out in the third quarter, and Illinois goes essentially three and out three straight times, and then it's 80-yard drive, 75-yard drive, yeah. winning field goal drive. It's like out of nowhere. Like, where was that? Yeah, well, that I mean, well, what was that? I mean, that's a team that was hungry and wants to win. And Illinois had some success when Illinois completed that comeback against Michigan a week earlier. But that—that's the thing with the Wisconsin; they haven't been tested yet. I mean, they have all the numbers that well, stack they have up, been and they lost. Well, when they were I, tested I, last I, let me, week. Let me say this: they have personnel-wise, they haven't seen the athletes at oh, oh. Ohio State Spring, and they just have no idea what's coming their way. So it's going to take a minute for them to get adjusted. The problem is, for Wisconsin, mm-hmm. like Michigan they, State, they adjusted pretty well in the first quarter. Then Ohio State adjusted. Then it was over. Yeah. So <laughs> one, quickly, once Ohio State figures out a counter, that's why they're so difficult to defend because of every possible place on the field, every yard of the field, Ohio State's offense makes a defense defend the whole field no matter the down, mm-hmm. no matter the distance. And that's why he's such a great, great play caller because he does a good job of throwing the ball on first downs too, which I love because it sets everything up. And I think Paul Christ is a really good play caller. Yes, he is. Uh, not last week at Illinois and first and goal at the three. Well, he shouldn't Jonathan have thrown Taylor. the ball either. Yeah. Was it uh, at the end, third and left? five. 238 left, third and five. What are you doing? Hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor. If you don't get the first down, you punt it and you trust your defense. You have the number one defense in the country. Yeah. Punt the ball, trust the defense, and you're going to ask Illinois to drive and to, to yeah. score? Yeah. Come so, on. You know, the interception was a, an emotional gut punch. You're, they're right at midfield. I think their defense was like, ah, and they drove 20 yards into range yeah. for, for that kid, a chippy field goal. Uh, Wisconsin has a long and storied history of tailbacks. Uh, Barry Alvarez started that. I give him credit for committing to who they are and what they are and what they can be up there. They can get offensive linemen, and if you get a good back behind them, you can do a lot, and they've done a lot. Barry Alvarez won three Rose Bowls in the 1990s. Nobody's ever done that. He's done, in my view, the best job of turning a nothing program into a dominant yeah. program. Wisconsin and Ohio State. Well, are they two, got a statue of them, so. Yeah, they're the two best programs in the Big Ten over the last decade. Sorry about it, Penn State. Sorry about it, Michigan. They just are in terms of winning percentage. But Wisconsin tailbacks in the NFL don't have near the success that they have in college. Ron Dane didn't. Monte Ball didn't. 
I don't really think Melvin Gordon has. Corey Clement's a nice player in the NFL, but he's not, you know, a a dominant, dominant player. Which brings me to Jonathan Taylor. What kind of NFL back do you think Jonathan Taylor will be? I think he's going to be a good back. I really do. I think he's built to be uh, um, an NFL back. Those guys were, James Waits had a pretty nice career, too. But but I get what you're saying. Not as a real running back. He's kind of a a, change of pace. He's a niche player, yeah. New England, everybody does well. Yeah. But, I mean, James Waite has had a great career. There, I mean, when you when you score the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, that's I, pretty good. I think Jonathan Taylor is, you know, a good 1B, maybe a 1A back when you get to him. Uh, I, he makes people miss. He has uh, finishing speed, and he has pretty good hands out of the backfield. Now, whether that translates or not, nobody knows, but all things are indicated that it does. Could he be a Zeke or a Barkley? Yeah, I, I really think so. I don't know what he lacks. I don't know. If he's as explosive as Saquon Barkley, because I haven't seen a guy that explosive in a long time. Now, I wasn't a big believer of Saquon when he was at Penn State. I did a game of theirs his rookie year last year. I walked away there, wow, he's something. I mean, I missed. I was a total miss on Saquon Barkley. I wasn't saying he was bad. I just didn't think he was as good as he's going to be. Uh, I, You're right about that. Now, I think about Jonathan Taylor. Now you almost talked me out of it because of the history. Mm-hmm. Of the Wisconsin running back, mm-hmm. and that's a system like anything it's else, a right? System, big we time. always talk about their system quarterbacks, yeah. right? You can't play in the NFL as a system quarterback. He puts all these numbers up. I guess you could make that argument for Wisconsin tailbacks only, only in the respect of running for a billion yards, yeah. right? Not, I mean, not necessarily like James White's had Corey Clement's a nice career. Melvin uh, Gordon Roy- was a really nice back there. Melvin, Melvin Gordon's been somewhat successful, struggling this year because he held out, and I have him. I've been watching him on film, and it's just uh, he's putting a ball on the deck and just not himself right now. Uh, you have Chargers at Bears on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, two teams that need a win. Um, do you like, uh, of course, now will you get a – you won't really get a sit-down with Phillip Rivers because he's a visiting team. Right, will no, you? I won't. No, but I, I like him. I know a lot of people don't like Philip Rivers. I, I love his moxie. I yeah. just I, I, there's a lot I like about Philip. Well, he's Rivers. 38 years old. He's been doing it for a long, long time. And I was looking. You know how many yards he's thrown for? Just fifty-seven. I was going to say fifty thousand. Fifty-seven thousand yards. Wow. They have a really good player. If you haven't had a chance to watch Keenan Allen play, because Chargers aren't on prime time a lot. They were on against the Steelers. They're they're just a mess right now. But the NFL. It's, it can change from week to week. Chicago's a mess right now. They've lost sure. two in a row. So uh, I'm going to see two desperate teams play on Sunday, and it's the NFL, and it should be a great game. Although I'll tell you that in when I got this game back in July, I looked a lot better on paper. The Bears and Chargers, 12-14 versus the playoff Bears team in Chicago. Chicago's struggling because they can't run the ball. Their defense finally cracked last week against New Orleans, and Mitchell Trubisky has been inconsistent, so we'll see what happens. Speaking of messes, uh, Michigan plays host to (laughs) Notre Dame on Saturday night at 7.30. Uh, Michigan did not embarrass itself at Penn State. Almost did, down Uh, 21-0. Down 21-0. They were well on their way, but they came back, and they made it a game, and uh, I feel bad for Ronnie Bell. I don't like to see any kid take that... that crushing emotional blow, let alone the criticism from some knucklehead fans that followed. But yeah. uh, now they have two losses. Uh, Notre Dame's coming in there, and uh, if this one goes south, I would not guarantee you that Michigan could win all of its next three, which will be at Maryland, Michigan State at home, at Indiana. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that they could lose one of those, and they're most yeah. definitely going to lose 
their season finale against Ohio State. Well, so I think I'm that right. Michigan State being comes really big for Harbaugh, the Michigan State, oh. and and quite frankly, D'Antonio, because Michigan State's reeling a little bit. They are, but Michigan State's not going to fire Mark D'Antonio for losing to Michigan in, at Michigan. Oh. I, I don't. I've never believed Michigan would fire Jim Harbaugh, and I still don't believe they would. I also have had a hard time believing that he would walk away, having never beaten Ohio State. Um, but at some point in time... Got to put steel in your spine. You got to fish or cut bait. And if they are... Let's say they lose to Notre Dame third loss. They lose one of their next three, a fourth loss. They lose to Ohio State. And they're seven and five football team. Yeah. Boy, that's a tough resume to recruit to. It's really hard to sell people that this is going to change and turn around. Saturday, I mean, it seems like we're saying this almost every other week with them, that it's a game they really have to win. Well, I look at it. I think they can beat Maryland. They can lose to Michigan State. At Indiana, they can lose, and they lose at Ohio State. They lose to Indiana or Notre Dame. So what would that give them? Four Seven or five. Four or five. I, I, I've said all year they're a four-loss team. They might be a five-loss team. Yeah. What are they, two now? Two down? Two right now. Penn State and Wisconsin. Where's the Notre Dame game? Notre Dame game's in Ann Arbor. But I think Notre Dame's better. I really I, They're do. a better team, yeah. But I still think that Michigan has enough good players to get it going. Man. Michigan looks slow on the field. <laughs> they don't look like a Michigan team. Urban We've raves. already established that. Urban raves about Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones looks like he's running in quicksand. Could he get on the field here at Ohio State? Yes, because if he came here, he'd... He'd be fast. Look like ama- he'd look amazing. I mean, he just that's would. Great. You're actually right. I mean, I'm, that's that's why I asked you that question because yes. you're actually right. Because you put him out there and you'd go, well, how's anybody going to cover that guy? Yeah, you just would. You know, he'd be fighting for reps like every one he of these other be. guys, right? Yeah, it's just amazing to me the receiving depth. So I don't think any of the running backs Michigan have would see the field. No. Not ahead of Teague. Not ahead of Dobbins. By the way, uh, we did the Jonathan Taylor projection to the NFL. J.K. Dobbins, people always go, oh, well, this is J.K. Dobbins last year. He's a junior. Is In your mind, is J.K. Dobbins automatic NFL bat? Mike Weber went to the NFL, didn't get drafted. I don't know if, I don't know when he'd be drafted. I think he's a tough enough and good enough competitor that he's one of those guys that when you get on in, in the camp mm-hmm. and on your team and on the practice field that this is a guy that we have to have. I don't know if he's a number one guy, right? I think change, he, to me, he's a change right of now. Pace guy that's how I look at it. And you look at some of the backs in the NFL. I mean, there's some really good backs. And who Give knows? Me the he comparable could, on him. Who does he remind you of? Is he James White? I'll tell you is who. He, I'll tell you who. I, he, I have uh, to Morris, see him. Who was the Giants guy? Bradshaw. No, uh, not. It's, it's uh, the kid from Wayne Gallman was the, is the backup guy. Well, no, I mean years ago, the guy who took a like a dive right before the goal line in a Super Bowl, forty four for the Giants. That I was can't, Maurice Carthon. Uh, doesn't ring a bell. No, here's the J.K. Dobbins is if you you're a Cardinals fan. Yes. You know who's come on the past three weeks? I don't. Edmonds. Chase says, Edmonds. Yeah. yeah. He looks like Chase Edmonds a little bit. Now Chase, I have to see J.K. Can he get out and because the NFL guys right now, Bruce, you know what the value is, are the Christian McCaffrey type guys, right? There's not many Dalvin Cooks out there, true running backs, but Dalvin has improved his pass catching skills. But if you can be a move guy or get out in a slot and match up against linebackers and run routes, that's the biggest advice I'd give any of these young kids. 
once their season's over, that I would, if I were J.K. Dobbins, I would get with with uh, Stableline, or I'd even go hire. I'd actually go and hire uh, if Stableline can't do it. I'd go hire Zach Smith, who in, understands and how can coach wide receivers. Get with Zach, have an individual coach, and have Zach teach me how to run routes and patterns and work the heck out of that. Or go get an in, somebody that can help me with running routes, and I, sh- I think Zach probably has a relationship with him. Go get those guys, hire yourself, and give yourself the best opportunity to be as valuable as you can for the upcoming NFL draft. Yeah, I I just don't know. I I wonder about him in the NFL from a speed perspective. Well, I think he's plenty fast enough. J.K.? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's plenty fast enough. Is he James White in the NFL? No, I think he's a little different runner. I think I think J.K. is a, a good inside runner. I'm just trying to add value to J.K. That's why I made the suggestion to go hire Zach to learn how to run routes because yeah. that's what teams are looking for. Uh, Bengals have the Rams in London. Uh, it's in London. It's the NFL. So I never say never, but I would almost say never on this one. I just can't imagine that the Bengals would get their first win against the Rams. I don't think so. I just think there's so many issues and. Cordy Glenn is yet to play. Well, I don't know what his latest drama is. Is he going to play? Not play. They're playing with backup offensive linemen. Joe Mixon's ticked off, right? Andy Dalton threw three uh, picks on three consecutive series in the fourth quarter last week. Mm-hmm. They're just struggling. You you still have AJ Green not able to play. I mean, the guys are trying. It's just that they're so talent depleted, and you got a first year head coach that I think is going to be good by the time it's all said and done but is learning a lot of lessons on the way to being good. Uh, we have the Patriots and the Browns at 425 on Sunday. It's Nance and Romo, so it's uh, the game that CBS wants to play up. There's a ton of storylines with this one. Obviously, the Browns are struggling. They've been a disappointment to this point, 2-4. and four. Patriots are undefeated. Uh, you've got Brady. You've got Baker Mayfield. Remember back when uh, there was the buzz at the draft that the Patriots wanted to trade up and get Baker Mayfield? So uh, let's focus, though, on the Belichick aspect of this you're an nfl analyst on fox you Mm -hmm. talk to coaches you observe coaches just i would be interested to get your thoughts about bill belichick about what he's been able to do there about how he does what he does what you notice about the new england patriots excellence so i think urban did this and i think a lot of coaches do this so what defines a great coach at that level um, everybody has X's and O's, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they all, every guy that I talk to, even even teams that are struggling, every guy that I talk to, we can walk into a basement and get on a grease board, watch film, and we can X and O each other to death. Mm-hmm. We can do this. We'll, oh, this looks great. We'll do this, and it'll be sound. So certainly Belichick obviously has that, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, The thing that he does best is that he gets the maximum out of everybody's talent. Whatever that person or player is capable of doing, he maximizes that player's potential and their talent. And the other thing he does, he does not ask players to do something that they're incapable of doing. He's not going to ask John Simon to go play one-on-one in coverage Mm -hmm. against Saquon Barkley, for example, or probably Nick Chubb. So he's going to find out what you do best, get a number of guys around them, then be able to execute what they do best. 
So he's really smart. He gets those guys to kill all the individual beasts inside of them and have one team beast, and they give it up for one another. They're not selfish. I mean, how many starters can you name for the Patriots' defense? John Simon. Devin uh, McCourty. Yeah, but do we hear a lot of, like, I mean, no. that, that, I guess I made my point right there. No, is and it, I, I mean, I don't follow him, but no, they don't stand out. Like, like you know, But I mean, you know who Jalen Ramsey Aaron, is, right? Know you know Aaron who Aaron Donald, Donald is, I know right? Clay Matthews Jr. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Right. And, uh, Michael Brockers. <laughs> I mean, like, I know guys on the Rams. Yeah. Why do I not know guys on the Patriots? <laughs> right. So that's another beautiful thing. And, and the best thing and the best thing that he has going for him, he's a great football coach. He, I think he's a master motivator, obviously. He gets the most out of the talent. They recognize a talent that fits their scheme so they can utilize that talent to its utmost. But, of course, it revolves. It's a chicken and egg thing. Great coach, great quarterback. Yep. I, You know what? I think the New England Patriots would still have a, maybe not as much success. Uh, will still have a lot of success if Tom Bill Belichick wasn't coach, Tom Brady was a coach, vice versa that. If Tom Brady wasn't the quarterback... I don't think you'd see this dominant of a Patriots team. No, they won eleven games with Matt Castle, but they didn't win a Super Bowl with Matt Castle. That's you're he's he is just an outlier. He's a unicorn. Enjoy it, and I, I don't think what we really see that we really appreciate. I think in ten years, I'll appreciate more how great Tom Brady was. Now he's not my type of quarterback. And you say, well, what's that? That type that wins. No, you're gonna. He's not the it's, it's mobile. Not the, you know, can he's run, not the style yeah, that that I like. Style. That doesn't take away from his greatness. What he's been able to do at the level that he's been able to do it, it just blows my mind. And I think of Tom Brady. You certainly can make an argument if you, you know, the fictitious greatest player of all time. I think Tom Brady would be up there as number one. To Hard me. to argue. Six rings. It's unbelievable what he's been able at that position, Bruce, for 20 years. 20 years he's been doing this. I know. He's amazing. Uh, We hope you will review our podcast on iTunes. Uh, We'll give you the instructions at pleasereviewmypodcast.com backslash Spielman and Hooley. Our review of the day comes from Sites Buckeye. The headline on the five-star review is Love This Podcast. Unique mix of sports and faith discussion. Always humorous and valuable lessons shared. Keep it up, guys. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's nice. Very much. All right. We uh, always uh, welcome your emails as well. And uh, we had an email the other day, uh, if I can get to the screen, from, I believe it was Lori. And Lori says, Lori's from Shreve, Ohio. Do you know where Shreve is? No. Shreve is in Holmes County. Or home, uh, Wayne know, or Holmes County. I know where it's Wayne or Holmes County is. In Amish yeah. country, yes, from Shreve. It's in way to Maslin. Absolutely. Lori writes, faithful listener of your podcast, especially the faith segment. Bruce, I see that you follow John MacArthur on Twitter. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on his recent comments about Beth Moore and women in ministry. Okay, good question. Uh, so after we got the email, I did a little bit of research on this. And uh, I do follow John MacArthur on Twitter. I enjoy his uh, preaching. He is a guy who does, like, what do they call that, expository, where you do one verse at a time, mm-hmm. go through it. Um, I think he's a very smart guy. I would say the irony of John MacArthur is that uh, while he has pastored Grace Community Church in California for 50 years, his struggle appears to be my struggle, <laughs> and that is extending the grace you've received to other people. Uh, he was critical of, of uh, Beth Moore and another woman who's uh, written a book that some pastors have 
recommended. Um, and look, John MacArthur doesn't mince words. So I do like that about him. You never are mis- mystified as to where he stands on something. But I think that to rule out someone having something valuable to say from a spiritual perspective is not a position that I'm comfortable taking. Because I think all of us get beat up in life by our, by our circumstances and our experiences, and I believe God uses all of those circumstances or can use all of those circumstances and experiences for the benefit of others. Uh, there's a verse, comfort others with the comfort that you have been given. That's in Corinthians, first or second. You're my Bible expert. You know uh, where that comes from? No, I don't. I don't. It's first or second Corinthians. Comfort others with the comfort that you've been given. And I believe that is how God's designed us, and that is how God uses the experiences in our life. So I would not um, have peace myself saying some of the things that Mr. MacArthur has said about those particular issues. I do appreciate his commitment to truth, his commitment to authenticity. I do think sometimes as Christians we undervalue, in fact, often think we undervalue obedience. I don't believe you can uh, authenticate your faith without obedience. So that would be what I would say about that, Lori. And I'm not familiar enough with Beth Moore's work to give my own opinion on her, although I know that she is frequently cited as someone who does a lot of good in uh, women's conferences and things like that. So there's nothing that saddens me more when um, Bible-believing, Christ-at-the-top-of-the-church Christians start criticizing each other. And I think there's one thing that's, there's an ultimate truth, right, to Christianity. There's, you're a sinner. God came down and, and, Jesus, man, died for your sins, gave you the Holy Spirit so you can have eternal life. So everybody else off of that, everything off of that, I can understand there's varying opinions, and I enjoy listening to varying opinions, as long as the one truth, the ultimate truth, is never compromised. Well, let me challenge you on that a little bit, because I do think there's sometimes I don't have a problem with guys who, or women in ministry, who challenge things that, uh, for instance, there are quote-unquote Christian people who who will position abortion as okay from God's perspective. And I think that's complete and total—in fact, I know it is complete and total heresy. Okay, well, I wasn't even thinking of no, that. No, but I mean, then, then there's the health and wealth gospel, which I don't believe is is resonates with any biblical truth at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that. No, I know you're not. I'm just saying when you say that it's Christ at the top and then you can't ever comment on anything else. No, I'm not I'm not saying I think you it, it's wise to listen. That's that was my yeah. whole point okay. for then you to discern what you decide to take in and not take in. Obviously you and I are not going to sit here and say that we're not pro life. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then from a Christian perspective that there's there's uh, uh, pro-choice, which I think there's not. I don't think there's any of that. I think, or if the health and wealth gospel that, or that you talk about, that's we, we have a mind and the ability through the Holy Spirit to discern what is truth and what is not true. Through the prism of Scripture. I yes. guess my point is, though, if somebody holds Christ at the top of the church and understands what Christianity is, you're a sinner, you need a Redeemer, I gave you one, you accept it, that I'm willing to listen to anybody, regardless of gender. And if it's information or wisdom that I feel the Holy Spirit tells me is true, then I can use that as applicable. If I don't know the answer or I'm not comfortable with the answer, like you, 
I will do the research, then I will make a decision. Remember, we have, and thank gosh or God for this, is there is free will. You have a choice. And here's the thing. Everybody that's listening to this podcast, I think, knows this. They know what they believe. But you need to know why you believe it. Then you need to hold it to why you believe it and figure out why you believe it and do the research to why you believe it. Mm -hmm. So that's how I feel about that. But I, I get what you're exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want you to think. <clears throat> I, people have a right to talk about that. That doesn't mean they're right. That doesn't mean they're correct. I mean, there's we can go through every different denomination mm -hmm. on this planet and say, well, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. We don't believe that. We believe this. That's wrong. That's wrong. This wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. We, you know. And and I think Satan loves that when right. the divisions, as you say, there are some. There are some non-negotiables. Yes. The, the, the non-negotiable is... Christ is the only way to heaven. <laughs> that, that, That's the non-negotiable. The, the, it's, it's the non-negotiable, yeah, that they're, they're, you're a sinner. You needed a Savior. That's the only way I God can make it right because he can't contradict can't himself. Own. Yeah. Right? But he can't contradict himself, so he has to make it right. Yep. And so he does, and that's the non-negotiable. Everything else for, for me, I mean, obviously there's all kinds of Bible things and stuff, but... You know, keep ex experiencing, and if somebody challenges something, then don't say, automatically attack that person. Go look at their argument. Yeah. Why, why are we afraid to look at the argument to either either reassure what you already know to be true, right? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I would say, too, is I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to come to faith because there's this inconsistency and this inconsistency, yeah. or I'm not going to come to faith because I can't believe any of it until I understand all of it. And there's nothing else in your life, and I made this point in the uh, Spielman and Hooley Insider email to those of you who signed up, and you can do that at SpielmanHooleyPodcast uh, at gmail.com. Send us an email, say you want to be an insider, we'll send you the uh, weekly uh, insider email, or you can sign up on our website, SpielmanAndHooley.com. I made the point that... Nothing else in life do you understand everything about it before you're willing to yeah. partake in it. I mean, you can. Do you understand how the internal combustion engine works in your car? No. You get in, you turn the key, and off you go. Uh, I don't understand how I can press a button on this little soundboard we have, and I can do a few clicks on <laughs> yeah, my laptop, and all of a sudden, some guy in, in Ecuador can listen to our podcast. That's a great but point. I know it works. Okay, so. Again, with the other example that I've used before is driving. When you first learned to drive, you knew enough to go to the corner store and get milk. You didn't know enough to drive in rush hour traffic or to drive on snow and ice. You learn that as you go. And so you do. It's The reason why it's called faith is because you have to right. step out and, and say, I'm, I'm going with this. This is a great deal for me. I get salvation. And I've got a God who loves me and he's willing to show me how to live my life. And I'm going to submit to him and live my life that way. I'm going to learn how, as I go, I don't have to understand it all before I commit to it. So, well, here's the other thing too, right? So, which I think gets to the verse you were going to talk about. Do you think that God is sitting there saying, uh, shut your mouth, sit down and believe? No. Do you think he's has confidence enough in his game plan that if you would go and examine, he wants you to examine the game plan and has trust and confidence enough in his own creation. Yeah. Hold it to the t test of truth. Yes. absolutely. And, and we all have the ability to d discern what's true and what's not true. So what's, um, 
Jeremiah 29, 11, right? We see that very popular Jeremiah verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's right. a lot of people's life verse. They all hold on to that because sure. it's a great, warm, and fuzzy verse. It's an awesome promise. It is. And God's promises never come back uh, void. Yeah. But it's followed so, by another verse. Well, everybody forgets uh, what Jeremiah 29, 12 says, right? Yeah. Then you will turn back to me and you will ask my help. Let me, I had it pulled up here. Right here, Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. You said uh, eleven. Then you will call on me to come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. See, everybody, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. That that's talking about. I'll give you plans for hope in the future. That's not only talking about for now. That's not the health and wealth gospel. No. What they're talking about now is is eternal life. But when you are going through those trials and tribulations, everybody always stops at Jeremiah twenty nine, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. But Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. I get excited when I'm seeing this. So I got to slow down. Then you will call upon me and come pray to me, and I will listen to you. Don't forget to call on God. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't sit there and wait uh, for God to always tap you on the shoulder. Take the initiative in the relationship. Go to God. He wants you to come to Him. Call upon Him, and don't be afraid to ask uh, for for everything, all petitions to be taken to God. Would you have something? You're looking at me like no, right. uh, because the Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. What's is, that say? <laughs> you, is you will seek me and find me. Yeah. when you seek me with all your heart. See that that's the thing. So you want the hope in the future. You got to pray in twelve, and you got to seek him with all your heart yeah. in thirteen. So I mean, that's the danger of pulling a verse out of scripture. Going, oh look at this, he's gonna yeah. give me hope in the future. Yeah, what are you called to do in order to what he's he asking you to do? That's the game plan I was talking about. He's given you the plan. Look, look what's before you. Yeah, you know you could win this game. Yeah, come talk to me about this game. Then come seek me with all your heart. Then you're going to win. Yeah, and it's 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 put out in those three verses, but. I, I find that so encouraging. It's just that I don't want people, when they hear Jeremiah 29, 11, I don't want you to stop at that. Go to 12 and 13, and it's going to tell you how to tap into that or to that peace. Uh, that Philippians 4, 16, right? There's a peace that transcends all understanding. All understanding. And, and that's that's a peace where that comes from. So I just want to keep encouraging people to pray to God and keep seeking. He's going to come get you. He's going to, he's going to answer. Absolutely. Revelations, Absolutely. he talks about, hey, knock, man, answer, I'll answer it, keep yep. knocking. That's right, but you got to knock. Yep. All right, great. Uh, off to Chicago, yep. safe travels, hopefully your elbow feels better. Yeah. Oh, man, I hope that feels better for you. Buckeyes and Badgers, I'll have a post-game podcast immediately after the game. You want to join Saturday? Uh, I'm going to try. Okay, very good. We'll try. That'll wrap up uh, 3 o'clock-ish, or, you know, given how Ohio State plays in the second quarter, one thirty ish Okay. It'll be all wrapped up, and Hay will be in the barn. Should be a, shouldn't be a problem, so, yeah. It's no. well, so, uh, 11 o'clock so start? I think, yeah. What are they, 12-point favorites? Uh, again, I, I don't see it that close. I don't you see, see it, it that no, close? I don't. I, but don't hey, don't bet. Don't, don't bet. bet. I'm terrible. Don't bet. We're no, terrible at this. I don't care if you better. Don't bet, but don't take my advice. Don't take my advice to bet. I'm yes. awful at picking it, but I don't see it that close. No, I don't either. So uh, it wraps up another great week. Spielman Hooley Podcast. Uh, email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget our friends at Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway and Powell. Go in, get your tailgate fare, get your steaks for Sunday dinner, for any dinner party, your steaks, your hamburgers. Angus beef butchered on their 
farm in Mansfield brought right directly to you. Know what's in your beef and know where it comes from. 15% off for Spielman and Hooley listeners. And we want to thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the uh, faith portion of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. West Jeff Plumbing and Heating on the web at westjeffplumbingandheating.com. 614-879-9606. Servicing all of Central Ohio with awesome Lennox High Efficiency Furnace Products and they can do all your plumbing as well. Everybody have a great weekend.